Hi there, this is Gary Turner, your Value Through Vulnerability podcast host. Today I had the pleasure of welcoming Wendy Daly onto the podcast. Wendy has over 20 years experience of working within the HR arena based in the US. Um, Wendy and I met via Twitter, as so many of us do these days. Uh, We share a number of the same Twitter chats and have had had some previous conversations and I was really keen to get Wendy onto the podcast. Uh, She's got a really interesting background and is very, very vocal and passionate around a number of areas um, of HR, such as raising uh, the profile and getting more female leaders into senior leadership roles. She's very passionate about improving the voice for people of colour and she's also very, very passionate around helping um, young young people with her work at the Girl Scouts of the USA, um, helping ensure that those young people have the best possible opportunities and also have the most diverse and inclusive opportunities as they go through their their, their young and adolescent lives. And I, yeah, just really found this a super inspirational and super interesting conversation with Wendy today. Learned a lot more about her. She gave me a lot of ideas and uh, new learning as well for me to be thinking about for myself. And uh, I really think you'll enjoy this chat. So please bear with us as there are um, a couple of email pings towards the end. And also my voice at times is a little bit faded due to the fact I think I need a new microphone. So it is pretty raw and these podcasts are always going to be raw. But the most important thing is that Wendy can be heard very, very, can be heard very clearly and I hope that you get some takeaways from this. Thank you very much. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability, a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. Um, Today, I'm really excited to welcome Wendy to the podcast. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Gary. How are you? I am very well, thank you. And I'm feeling a little bit fanboy because I've got someone else <laughs> with me right now who's done way more podcasting than me. <laughs> so, so thank you for joining me on the podcast. Um, would you mind giving the listeners just a, a sort of rundown? Who is Wendy Daly? What's your background? What are you passionate about? Sure. So I am a, I'm an experienced human resources professional and um, I've been... Uh, blogging and uh, tweeting about HR things for for some time now. And, you know, one of the things I'm most proud of that uh, you you mentioned it as an experienced podcaster, I don't know how experienced, been doing it for about six months. Um, I guess in internet land, six months is a long time, right? Um, But my friend uh, John Thurman and I started uh, the HR Social Hour um, Twitter chat a little over a year ago, and uh, that uh, turned into uh, a podcast where we take time to meet and introduce other people to people who are part of our chat and uh, kind of taking that networking to the next level of, uh, so, you know, again, you can, uh, you can fanboy or fangirl <laughs> over your favorite Twitter people, um, but you're not going to feel weird about um, running into them at a larger conference because you already kind of know them, you have something in common with them. Uh, which is why we ask questions about like movies and music and that kind of stuff. So um, that's one of the areas that I'm uh, very passionate about. Um, I love uh, seeing real life connections happen. Um, Our Twitter chat just the other day uh, was really fun because somebody was looking for some software and we had happened to have a vendor on who said, Hey, I can do that. And lo and behold, they got hooked up. So yay. (laughs) Brilliant. Yeah. 
So that's that's me. <laughs> wow. So so what's your um what, what sort of personally? Cause I noticed from um having a little having a little LinkedIn stalk Wendy as we do and we're sort of <laughs> meeting our new people. Um, sure. So I see you're sort of involved in the the Girl Scouts of America. Yes. Um. So yeah, I was really interested as we sort of get going. What sort of what skills or behaviours do you feel are quite transferable from your work in HR to that volunteering work that you do for the Girl Scouts out of interest? Uh, herding kittens. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, um, I was a Girl Scout growing up and um, my husband and I both felt that it would be really good for our daughters to be involved in an organization such as Girl Scouts that promotes girls, girl leadership and women, women in leadership really. And so um, helping helping the girls kind of advance that the younger girls it, it really is almost like hurting kittens making sure that you know they don't hurt themselves and they do have fun maybe learn a little bit um, science is fun type of stuff and just kind of start that start that journey early um, but now with my older daughter she'll be 13 and so we're working on you know a little bit more we talk about um, uh, real women leaders and what they're doing. Um, we did a huge, um, we did a media day where we compared the Harry Potter books to the Harry Potter movies because the girls all just love Harry Potter. And, you know, how did they describe like Hermione in the book and how did she look in the movies and why would they do some of those things? So getting the girls to have those conversations um, and, and take them down that way. Um, I'm really uh, hoping that I can get the girls to do, uh, we're, we're, we started talking about doing a podcast where they interview some local women leaders um, at the university and share that with, um, with other people. And you know, how can, how can we learn from these women leaders and it'll help the girls, you know, they'll get their interviewing skills, how to talk to people, how to ask questions. Um, you know, the nice thing about podcasting is nobody's looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hoping that I'm really, uh, I've been talking with my, my daughter about it. So I'm hoping we can get a couple more girls interested and do like a little short podcasting series with them um, to kind of promote women leaders. So that's, wow. I, you know, there's a, there's a light connection there of HR stuff, but it's, you know, helping, I think it's more on the leadership side. Okay. I think you've touched on such an important thing of our time, haven't you, around the whole sort of, you know, the gender debates, you know, more senior, mm -hmm. more women in senior leadership roles, you know, getting away from group think these sort of things. And I think tackling it early is just so important. I just love how you're just through your passion sort of <laughs> doing that. I think it's amazing. Well, so it's interesting because I, you know, I, I did set out to raise feminists. I, I, you know, I am honest with that. And, you know, I have stories from when I took, uh, I took my oldest with me to vote, I think, uh, uh, Obama's second term. And um, so we were talking about, you know, it was in 1920 that women in America got the right to vote. And um, her response is, you know, she's probably five or six was, so who voted before then? And I said, well, landowning men. She's like, oh, that's horrible. <laughs> I, you know, I don't really, I don't prompt a lot of those things that came out of, out of her. And so now, you know, she is a, an independent girl who she loves uh, superheroes and drawing. And um, it's fun to see her being her own self and, you know, having these little, every once in a while. It's not fair because boys get real pockets in their pants and why don't they put real pockets in girl pants? And I'm just like, hey, take it on lady. 
fascinating is that though because there's actually um there's quite a few organizations over here in the uk actually that are one called um let let toys be toys yes um which is really powerful trying to get away from this you know it starts early doesn't it this sort of it does stereotypes gender stereotypes so it's, it's great that you're sort of your daughter's already sort of thinking that way I think that's amazing. yeah well, and, and my, you know, my younger one, she's a little more girly, but she also has some of those, those thoughts, you know, she asked me again, uh, I think there was, it was the anniversary of when women got the right to vote was on and it was on TV or something. And so she was asking about it and how long ago was 1929. And, um, you know, so it's, it's putting it out there and letting them be who they are. You know, if you, and we've said that if you want to dress up in frilly stuff and put makeup on and do your hair every day, that's fine. And if you don't want to do that, that's fine. It's be who you are and don't, don't conform. <laughs> <laughs> and I grew up in the eighties where it was huge comfort, you know, conforming and you had to be a certain way. And, um, I, it's taken a while to get out of that. Just you're touching on sort of everything as if we plan this, <laughs> we have it, it's amazing. But you know, the, the sort of rough themes of this podcast are just around you know, vulnerability, self-awareness and inclusion. And you know, what you're striking really into the heart of is all three of those areas, because you know, if your children feel included and can truly be their whole self now, that's got to yeah. be better in 15, 20 years when we enter the world of work with that mindset, hasn't it? I, I think so. You know, they're not going to sit back and wait. And I think there's, there's some of those, I don't like, you know, I don't complain about the millennials. That's not <laughs> who I am. Because we all want the same things from work. It's just the the generations coming up haven't they haven't been told, hey, just wait your turn. Like people of my generation, you know, Gen Xers, we were when we got into the working world, people were we were told, hey, just you know, wait your turn. You'll get to move up and blah blah blah. No, baby boomers, you just aren't retiring. So, and the millennials and the younger ones are just like, no, I'm not going to wait. We're I have the skill set to do these things. You don't need to follow this linear progression anymore. So I'm so excited to see where work is going. I know we've got a long way to go, but I think we can get there. I think we're on the right path. No, I, I completely share that. And I think, you know, obviously looking at the Twitter chats that we're both part of, you know, from both sides of the pond, mm -hmm. I get this real sense and it's, I'm positive about it as well. You know, there seems to be this reconnection. Partly yeah. like you and I now tech enabled where people can actually now go, Hey, I don't have to go through a hierarchy to meet Wendy in the US. Right. Or you don't have to go through a hierarchy to speak to Gary in, in the UK. Yeah. I think it's such an enabler, isn't it? It is. It's wonderful. I love that you have this, you know, instant, instant connection. And, you know, it's, we can fanboy and fangirl because, you know, somebody we know um, who's HR famous, <laughs> to, to quote a, an article I just read, or even if someone's, you know, really famous, you know, we've, everyone has a story of a, you know, a celebrity liking or retweeting or even commenting on something that you and as an individual has put out there that they, that they appreciate. So I think I love how um, social media and Twitter, especially, I think have really flattened out the world a little bit. Mm. So how, how do you, how do you sort of, as Wendy, use social media? Of course, you spoke about the podcast you're doing with John, yeah. you know, what, what do you, how do you use it for your own development as Wendy generally? Do you, so you've got to sort of get 60% of your learning via social media. You know, how, how does it stack up for you personally, just out of interest? It really, the, I, I think you've probably hit it around probably about 60% of my learning does come from social media. And I love that I can um, reach out and ask questions and get answers 
<laughs> um, and you know, you can, you can put out a general question and, and take, you can take questions offline then and talk with people more, or you can, um, uh, even just have a larger conversation. And I, that's what I love about this, the Twitter chats. Um, you know, even if you and a few other people veer off topic, <laughs> you start, you go down a rabbit hole and suddenly you're having this long conversation. And there's been several times that like in the middle of, of next chat, all of a sudden I realize, oh, I've gone down this rabbit hole and 20 minutes have passed and I've missed all the other questions. <laughs> um, but it's making those connections. And so, you know, if I have a question about, um, uh, you know, FMLA or uh, other um, other laws here in the states, I know who I can go to and ask very specific questions of. Um, or, you know, it's I'm trying to research something in the UK. I would know where to at least start. I might maybe I don't know the right person, but I can reach out to you, Gary, and say, Hey, do you know anyone over there that knows anything about X, Y, Z in the UK that I could reach out to and have that ongoing conversation? Um, I've I've gotten the opportunity to sit in on a lot of different webinars that um, I wouldn't have seen if it wasn't on social media because I'm not on those mailing lists. Um, and there's, and you, you know, uh, email is starting to become white noise. <laughs> you know, you sign up on all these, you sign up for so many, um, mail serves and suddenly you're like, Oh, I'm, you know what? I'm going to miss something because I know I can't look at all of them. There's just not enough time. So if I see somebody, um, more than one person, especially tweeting about something, you know, okay, I need to sign up for this one. I need to see what's going on with this. That's really fascinating. It so resonates with me as well. I'm pretty, well, I'm relatively new to social media, probably the yeah. last 18 months, two years. But I've got to say, I've gone from literally two years ago, Wendy, having 95% of my network, not even sector inward looking, but organization yeah. inward looking, 99% mm -hmm. being outside of even my industry sector now. Yeah, just completely just pivoted to completely yeah. the other way, and and the richness of the contacts. And I think maybe you're, I think you're saying this as well, Wendy. Is this the giving nature of Twitter? You know, no yes. one's asking for money. No one's asking, okay. You mm -hmm. hope there might be something at some point you can collaborate on, but no right. one has something in, with the aim of receiving, do they? You you don't. You know that. I think you know. We know it's all going to come around again. That you know, if I. Um, I'm going to call out my friend Kate Bishop. Um, she's an attorney in, in Minneapolis and I know I can go to her and she'll give me 10 minutes, 15 minutes of her time to kind of talk through an issue. Um, and she, you know, she says, I don't charge people for that because I don't, she doesn't like to do, um, she doesn't like billing. <laughs> so she doesn't want to get down to those increments. So she can, you know, give you that high level um, conversation and you're going to gain so much from that and kind of have a plan moving forward. Um, but you know, and it, it comes around that I, I know that if I had, if I knew of somebody who needed an employment attorney in Minneapolis, she's the first person I'm going to give them to because she has shared her knowledge and I know, I know her knowledge and I know you could trust her to give you very good advice, even if it's advice you don't want to hear. So, you know, it's that giving piece of it that, that helps build that. In your experience to date, Wendy, because I think you said you've been in well, the HRA area sort of around 20 years now. Is that, is yeah. that about yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Without asking exact numbers, I never ask you that. Right. <laughs> what, what, you're just, what we're just talking about, this 
connectivity, this ease of communication, this networking. How does the social media example you've just given compare to your organizational experience today? You know, do, do organizations work as effectively as those social networks, in your opinion, today? Um, so like, a, like an organization where I work or like a volunteer type organization? Yeah, just just any, any of your experience, really, whether it be okay. private or work. I'm just trying to get, is there any correlation? You know, is there... You know I think... Um, I think, you know, some of the professional organizations, um, you know, the Society for Human Resources Management and, and those types of organizations, I think they, um, the ones that have embraced the social media, um, they've embraced it because it was just kind of an offshoot of what they were doing before. You know, you had um, the, the local group here, we would have lunch and learns and we'd participate in conferences and that kind of thing where you can make those initial connections. Um, which is, which is great, but it's, you know, how many times, so, you know, ten, even just 10 years ago, how many times would you move somewhere, leave an, you know, leave a business and go, go work somewhere else and say, Hey, keep in touch. And you never hear from those people again. Now you do because you have that social media connection that makes it easy to at least stay in touch and at least say, be able to say hi, happy birthday, that kind of, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, one of the, the challenges with before social media too was building that ongoing relationship and so it's very easy it, and it's still easy to stay within your silo and i think that's the challenges of some private organizations is that you end up not looking outward for advice and uh, you you look inward and and i've said this too i, I work for places where we have in-house in counsel and we have boards of directors and we have other people that have to make those hard decisions and yeah they're gonna go with your in-house counsel but if you don't talk to anyone else but your inside counsel are you really looking at the whole picture are you seeing everything um, because they might have a more narrow focus and I've, I've noticed that in several organizations that I've worked for but that's I mean that's that in-house counsel's job is to protect the organization and protect the employees. So they might only be looking at the small bubble. And so if you as an individual now can come to that person with your homework done, knowing what is out there, um, you might be able to shift things a little bit. You might be able to, you need to be able to make the argument. You can't just come in and say, well, it's because I think so. <laughs> as nice as that would be, you need to have that backing to say, no, this is, this is what the law says, or this is what the regulation says. So how can we work within that? How can we work within, I call it my sandbox. Tell me where I can play and I'll stay within it. If you don't give me my boundaries, of course I'm going to run all over the place because I'm not going to know what the rules are. You know, it's like they've said for kids for years, they, they need the rule. You need the rules to know what you can and can't do. And you're going to have a lot more fun and you're going to get a lot more done because you're not going to waste time going down a rabbit hole that you can't do for whatever reason. So being able to, to take that information, you don't get that if you only stay within your organization. Yeah, that's, that's really powerful, actually, Wendy, for me. We had um, David Marquet on episode seven of this podcast, and he, he, he spoke about um, a comment that really resonated with me, which was structure builds freedom. Yes. Some structure to, to actually free people. And he gave, I think he gave the example in the 60s of all um, children's playgrounds in the US, um, mm -hmm. getting rid of fences, because that was the thing of the time. Oh, yeah. But all of the children played in the center. 
they didn't have the boundary to go up to. Right. So you don't know. You know, it's, it's, you know, giving your children, letting your children pick out their own clothes. <laughs> you know, if I, if I just let my daughter go, go in her room, uh, sometimes it, when she was younger, especially, it would sometimes dissolve into tears because there's just too many choices. <laughs> but if I say, you know, here are three things to choose from, it, she would decide in two seconds and we would move on with our day. So it's helping, helping to figure out what that is because infinite choice is not the good thing we like to believe it is. <laughs> Great point. Great point. Mm. Just, just out of interest, I'm just going to move on to some of the other sort of themes on this sure. podcast around sort of vulnerability, self-awareness, these sorts of things. What does vulnerability mean to you as Wendy? If you're going to have your own definition, just off the cuff, what, what, what does it mean to you? You know, I think I put vulnerability um, around the ability to trust mm. and, um, and, and the willingness to, to trust other people with, with who you are. And I, we've, we've probably all been burned with that. <laughs> but being able to, to continually do that, to continually um, trust that other people they're not out to harm you. And I think so many times, uh, and I, I've said it before because I, I am, I'm a very selfish human being. I think most people probably are, you know, you're looking out for number one. And so if you can open that up to, to share with other people and trust that, um, you know, nine times out of 10, when somebody does something, that negatively affects you that wasn't their intent and so we need to and I'm talking to myself here because I forget this a lot but we need to understand that we are not the center of the universe and other people are making decisions based on different information and so we need to be open um, and, and understand that and it was um, I was on Instagram um, I'm going to pull it up because at Carrie Oberbrunner, um, I found him from Jennifer McClure. So, you know, there's <laughs> that chain. She, she interviewed him on a podcast and I'm hoping I can get it pulled up here real quick because he had something on this the other day and it was, um, it, it was just perfect for this. Um, he posted people's attacks on you reflect the way they feel about themselves. And I, I, I commented on it and like, I, you know, thank you for posting that because it, it needed to hear that. And, and so I'm hoping that someone else can hear that and understand too. It's that's the, that to me is that vulnerability of understanding that you can trust other people because they aren't necessarily, you know, they're not making decisions based on you. They're making decisions based on themselves. Mm, thank you for sharing that. That's, that, that's, that's really powerful actually. No, it's really powerful because the trust element is a huge one. I think, you know, it doesn't matter where we look, whether it's the US, you know, Europe, <laughs> but there's a pretty low level of trust in pretty much most institutions at the moment. You know, whether there, it's, you know there is. It's and it's, or not, but it's, it's real, isn't it? It's, it's a yeah. tangible feeling right now. Yeah, I, I was, there was a Twitter conversation probably on a next chat one on, you know, we trust ourselves when, in the hiring process. We trust ourselves to pick the best person and we go through all these steps to pick the best person for the role. And the minute the person start, starts, we stop trusting them. And we give them, you know, this big book of, this big handbook of thou shalt nots. 
And so we're not trusting them to be able to do what we say we said we knew they could do when we interviewed them and selected them for the job. Um, and I believe I'm quoting people off, off the cuff here, but I think it was Steve Brown said something about the, the something, something around the fact that we need to trust that we ourselves made the right decision in hiring this person and trust that they can do the job we set them out to do. And again, your network coming into play there, Mr. Brown. It, you know, it is. <laughs> <laughs> this is not me. It's not, I don't, you know, I don't come up with this stuff on my own. I really don't. It's, it's no, having that network of people who can say the right thing at the right time. And it, it, those things are going to hit with you. So I, I want to be sure I'm giving credit to the right people. <laughs> it's wonderfully humble of you. But in terms of your, your experience of trust, can you give, give, give the listeners, give, give us an idea, you know, what, when did you feel the most trust, either trusted you or you trusted somebody else? Can you, can you think what that, that, that was? Does anything jump out? Um, you know, so my husband and I both grew up in South Dakota and we've, uh, we've lived around the, the United States, um, a wide variety of places. His ultimate goal um, was always to come back here. He always wanted to come back, wanted to work at the university that he graduated from um, and teach. And for years, um, I would say, I'm never moving back to South Dakota, never moving back. I'm not moving back, not happening. Um, and, you know, I, I was putting up those walls. And uh, when we lived in, we were living in uh, Montana and it, going through a bit of a rough patch and um, the opportunity came for him to work here um, at, at his dream job. He had all the credentials needed. He'd done all of the work. Um, and, you know, I honestly, I, I prayed about it quite a bit and I said, and I really felt a strong, um, a, a strong pull that I needed to trust that my husband was making the best decision for our family at that point. And so uh, I, I said, you know, let's do it. Let's move to South Dakota. I will, I will go. I'm not going to say I want to go, <laughs> but I will go and I will go willingly and know that will, everything will be okay. And so we've been here for five years. And um, honestly, if uh, it has been good for both of us, it's been good for my career because I did have the opportunity to um, to do things with my current um, with my current manager, my current boss, because he believes so much in education, um, and not just for educators, but for everybody, and that he encourages us to to do those, you know, be involved in um, uh, SHRM and those kind of things. That it um, it really made that difference to where I am now because I don't think I would have been as active on Twitter. I know I wouldn't have gone to the national Sherm conferences um, and then had the opportunity to meet John and to start a Twitter chat and doing these things that I really do love now. So um, it, you know, that was, that was a huge, huge leap of trust there to, to know that, um, you know, again, my husband wasn't doing this to this move wasn't about hurting me, <laughs> you know, or making life difficult for me, but it was for what's best for our family. And, you know, our, our daughters love living here. And, um, I, I still, my joke is if they would just get a Wendy's in this town, I would be extremely happy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. So honestly, yeah. I really appreciate that, Wendy. Re re really interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. yeah. It, it was a hard choice. It was a hard decision. We really love living in Montana, but it's been good for us to be here. Do you know what I'm sensing there as well is that you really trusted not your head, but your heart as well. Yeah. Which is a big part of that, isn't it? It is. And, you know, sitting down and figuring out who you need to listen to, <laughs> which part of the body is, is the right, saying the right thing at the right time. But, you know, it, and it is, it's having that vulnerability to say, okay, I'm going to trust that someone else is, is making the right decision here. Wow, powerful, powerful stuff. Thank you very much for sharing. <laughs> Love it. What, what's inspiring you the most right now, whether it be private life, whether it be work, whether it be something society, at a society level, you know, what, what, what if you could pick one thing right now above everything else, what's inspiring you the most right now? Wow, that's a hard question. <laughs> you know, um, I, we talked about it a little bit before, but I think they, I'm, I'm feeling a lot of um, inspiration and passion around um, women in leadership and, um, when I was uh, at, at the National Shrimp Conference this uh, past summer, um, I was hanging out with uh, another Twitter friend, Ann Tompkinson, and she mentioned to me that she was going to make an effort during this conference to not listen to any white males. She was only going to go to breakout sessions, and she, she did le level it to breakout sessions because, you, can't, you know, we can't control the keynotes. Um, but so she said the breakout sessions, she was only going to, you know, people of color. Um, I think she made an exception for Steve Brown <laughs> um, or someone else. I can't remember for sure, but she, um, she did. And she's, she learned so much and it was very, um, it was inspiring um, to me. And so she and I actually are going to start doing a, um, a podcast series, um, a takeoff for, on this HR social hour, where we are talking with women of color on women in leadership and how can we help and support, how can the network help um, and probably use um, a takeoff on some of the social hour questions where we'll, you know, tell us about a woman author that you like to read. Tell us about uh, a strong female movie character that you like, and, you know, and, and kind of push, push it so that we're, we're focusing on what women are doing. Um, not, you know, again, not to, I don't want to put down white guys because there's a lot of white guys out there doing great stuff, but I, we still are seeing, you know, Again, what's a, I don't know if it's true or not, but you see it all over the place that there are more CEOs named John than female CEOs at all. So, like, really? <laughs> so if we start naming our girls John, will that help? Um, <laughs> but, you know, so wanted, she really, Anne kind of jump-started this um, and she wanted to do a talk with one specific speaker and now we're starting to talk about doing others so really hoping um, that we'll probably put something out once a month to to share with as part of the HR social hour um, network but to get it out there and, and start sharing some more voices some different voices brilliant no that, that, that's really powerful and I can actually say on the opposite side of the screen to you right now Wendy as a 41 year old white male <laughs> <laughs> hand on heart I'm only starting now to understand what white male privilege is and I, I, I hold my hand up just to say that and it's I was actually quite upset a couple of months ago when it dawned on me because I genuinely believed 
genuinely in my heart of hearts that every human being enters the world as an equal. And the absolute, it ripped my heart out about three months ago when I realized actually, no, everyone that comes in as a white male has got equal opportunity. But apart from that, there is, we're not quite there yet. And that was, that was hard, really. It is a really it, hard thing to acknowledge. It, it is. And that's, you know, one of the things I want to do too, because it's, it is, I, it's been recent for myself that I've realized the privilege of being white, you know, because I, you know, I grew up in a, a, a small town of all white people in a state of mostly white people. And so you don't see it as much until you, you leave and even, even leaving and coming back. It's the power of social media to see, no, people are doing it because that person is black. So I'm, my, my goal, at least initially with this the podcast series is really women of color. Um, to get their voices out because their their voice is is the the softest right now and whatever I can do um, to amplify that I that's what I want to do and so I can you know check my privilege because it's there um, and use it use it to it if I'm going to have a privilege let's use it to its advantage. Brilliant. No, I'm totally with you on that. And it's a bit of a personal journey I'm on around my sort of vulnerabilities. And I'm starting to share those stories of my early stage bullying, mental health challenge, these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Again, as a white, you know, not to say, oh, look, I'm a white male with that, but to say it's safe to talk about it. So let's right. start having these conversations more. So good on you. Big respect. Yeah. Thank um, you. Are you aware of Nilifa Merchant out of interest? I don't think so. Okay. So she used to work for Apple, but she, she, she wrote a book, an incredible book, Wendy, called Onlyness. And it's something, and I'd also strongly recommend, I know she's a busy lady, but she could be, a, she's a big advocate for this. Okay. She's challenging leaders all over the world at the top, top levels for, in exactly the area that you're challenging. Oh, awesome. She's a very good co-denter to use her language to try and connect with. And the book is incredible. And what she talks about is that every one of us on the planet, all 7 billion of us have got a unique view of the world that only we can see. And that we need everybody to be able to show that unique view on the world yeah. which plays into everything you're describing around you know particularly around you know people of color it's so so important and i'm with you on that but that's a good no, okay. to try and connect with i would say i will i will look for that what was the name on that so nilofa merchant n-i-l-o-f-e-r merchant that's, I'll, I'll put the details in the show notes as well yes that'd be great um yeah i definitely want to read that <laughs> No, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But I'll, of course, I'll put your, your contact details and the, your podcast, etc., in the show notes as well. Of course. Um, actually, at this juncture, let, let's do that actually for now, because I'm conscious of the time, because sure. um, you know, we've got sort of maybe 10 minutes max left. How can people reach Wendy what, you know, through social media, you know, your sure. podcast? How can people yeah, reach you know, For me, the easiest way to get me uh, is on Twitter. Um, Windle93, W-Y-N-D-A-L-L-9-3. Happy to connect with everybody there. Um, or, or on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. Daily, D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. Um, I keep getting put in the, with the Baileys, so <laughs> I spell out my last name. Um, I'm also happy to connect on LinkedIn. Um, you can look for me there. Uh, I don't, there's not a whole lot of other Wendy Dailies, so you should um, be able to pop me up. Um, I, I've been asking people to just drop a, you know, personalize the note if you want to connect um, and uh, let me, you know, say you heard us on the podcast or on this one or, or ours. 
Um, so John, John Thurman and I have uh, the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Podbean. Um, pretty much every single <laughs> way to find listen to a podcast, we're out there. Um, and the fourth Sunday of each month, we do host a Twitter chat, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard or Eastern Time. Um, and... Uh, we, we, we have fun. We don't talk about FMLA or ADA. Um, we, we have fun just talking about lighter topics. We talk about, you know, if, we are, if we're going to talk about education, we talk about personal education and not training employees. Um, we had one talk where uh, we talked about uh, uh, what, who are our favorite fictional HR characters. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so the office, both British and American, come up quite often in those kind of conversations. But um, it was it was born out of uh, let's have a happy hour for all the people who aren't at Sherm in in 2017, and um, it, it's kind of grown because it's nice to get to know people on that personal level and talk about you know let's not talk about heavy things. It's Sunday night. Let's um, let's talk about something fun before we head off into the work week. Oh, I love. I have to say, seeing your conference this year all over Twitter, I was pretty jealous. I was sort of seeing <laughs> Steve Brown, look at you all, look at look 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 at Wendy. You're having so much fun, but it's just it's wonderful. Who's it? Um, I think is it Tish McFadden at um, Hilton. Yep. Um, and that, again, see, seeing some of some of the stuff that she's been posting as well, she seems an incredible lady. You know, yeah, she puts out great stuff. Yeah, you you just seem there seems to be this really nice cohesiveness over there right now around where you guys were going did you feel that sort of you know yeah there was there was a lot of um a lot of togetherness and you know when we when we got there it felt like um it, it you know it felt like a homecoming um to be there and meet and see all these people and um you know people that you you know, but you don't know. You have, you know, how many had I? You look around, going, "Have we met in person?" I don't remember. Uh, so good to see you again, and um, you know, being able to reach out to people and and have a place to go. <laughs> I am, I'm not good at crowds. I prefer smaller conversations. I um, have some one-on-one -on -one time, um, but uh, yeah. So John and I put out, "Hey, let's let's all get you know, join us for some deep dish pizza." Um, Saturday evening and had put it out and I was like okay you know 20 is probably about as many as I can handle because I would feel bad if somebody came and I didn't see them and um, suddenly we've got 25 people coming and I was like holy crap <laughs> uh, it's the Saturday night in Chicago I don't know if we're gonna be able to get a reservation for that many people and uh, um, but it worked out uh, we had a great time getting to, to see folks and um, having that time but so for me I need to know where I'm going I need to know who I'm going to see um otherwise I feel like I worry I worry too much I spend too much time worrying about what are we going to talk about <laughs> when we're going to have fun it's going to be okay <laughs> well from from this last half an hour Wendy I can't see why you ever have that fear at all to be <laughs> one-on-one -on -one. it's one-on-one -on -one, that's that's those are the ones that I like and it you know it's even had a conversation with a former classmate you never come to the class reunions I don't like that that's I would I will sit down with you and talk for hours about how you know high school or college or whatever but if you're gonna bring me into a group with 30 people and their spouses and their children 
yeah, I, that just doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> Sounds a little bit like work, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It sounds a lot like work. And I'm like, I don't need, I, I have enough work. <laughs> Just as we look to go towards wrapping up, Wendy, I've noticed that you've, you've I think you've done a, a Disrupt HR talk, haven't you? I, I have done four of them, actually. Done four. I have done four, yes. What, what sort of topics have you covered when you've done those talks out of interest? Um, the first one I did um, was titled Busier Than Thou. And it was about the busyness culture and the, the competition to be the busiest person in the office <laughs> and, 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 and how I, I don't want to be a part of that. Um, my second one was titled, uh, Say Millennial Get Punched. And uh, I talked about how um, we, we should be talking about the differences between the, the generations because everybody just wants... Um, Everyone wants an engaged workforce. Everyone wants to be engaged at work, and here's how we can help. Um, and then my last two were actually on um, on networking, and I'm working on expanding it uh, to be a larger um, presentation on um, networking and using social media. Uh, and it's called Create Your Own um, HR Avenger Team. Got to throw in some uh, superhero stuff there, but. Um, putting your putting your team together so how networking helps you build your HR tribe um, to be a better HR professional um, and so the, I'm actually working on it I'm going to give it at North Dakota Sherm next month I probably need to finish it soon <laughs> um, but my hope my plan is to talk about networking and then actually do um, like a 20 minute live Twitter chat so the participants can understand how you can connect and get to know people through social media on a medium like Twitter, um, where a lot of people for a long time, they thought Twitter was just, Oh, people are just sharing what they ate for lunch, you know, or what they are doing right now. And it's so much more than that. Twitter has, has evolved into a very powerful tool. So that is my, uh, my goal for my, um, my larger, longer talk. Wow, that's great. Which sounds, if it's a slightly larger talk, sounds like a TEDx talk to me, potentially. Well, it's actually, uh, the North Dakota breakout sessions are 75 minutes long. So um, I was like, okay, I am not talking for 75 minutes. How can I? <laughs> and, a, and a friend asked me to apply and come up with an idea. So um, again, here's your network. You know, someone, John Friend that I know from North Dakota, he emailed me and said, hey, you need to come talk come up with an idea and fill out the application. And I was like, what can I talk about? What do I know? Um, and so I did. And that after I applied, I realized, oh, 75 minutes. Holy crap. Um, <laughs> that's a long time. So we're, I'm, I, and I wanted it to be interactive. I wanted to, you know, people who come away with, you know, here's getting involved and in, in how, how to build that team, how to get to know people on Twitter. So. Brilliant, brilliant. So when does that take place out of interest? Um, that is uh, September 18th. Okay. So, yeah, and I'm, I'm going to be staying for the whole conference. I'm excited about that um, to see, again, how build those, continue to build the online relationships in person because it's that fa it is the face-to-face. -face. As much as I love online networking and meeting people and learning, it's awesome but it, it is second best to, to in-person and face-to-face. -face. It really is. 
No, I completely. And I and I say face to face. I'm I'm gonna I add that now because, you know, this isn't perfect, but this is better than emails or or tweets back and forth because you know getting to see a person's face and their body language and it, it's so important. No, com completely with you on that. And, I, and again, I I think the number of people I've actually met is it's, it's amazing. Isn't it? It's so exciting when you. Yeah. Like, I've been speaking to you for two years on Twitter, and you're a real exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So many, and, and it's, I love it. I have so many really great friends now that um, are because of that online relationship. So if you're going to, so we're wrapping up now, Wendy, thank you so much for your time. If you're going oh, yeah. to give a sort of nugget, if not, not give away your talk from the, uh, from the end of September, but if you're going to give one razor sharp nugget around social media, what would that be? Don't be afraid. <laughs> nice. You know, don't, don't be afraid of it. Go out and, and see what it's all about. And um, it, it's, it's not just about people complaining or, or sharing their lunch, even though those do happen out there. Um, but you can, you can control it. You can control what you see. You don't have to follow everybody. You don't have to follow everything. You control what you see. And um, that can be good and bad. But um, you interact with the people that, that you need to interact with and build your community. Love it. Very powerful. Very, very powerful. Thank you, well, <laughs> thank you so much for sparing the time today. Oh, it was awesome. Always love chatting with you, Gary. No, likewise. Well, look, have a fantastic rest of your day. It's now yeah. 7 o'clock here, so I'll get on with my evening and uh, let's keep in touch. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much, Gary. It's great oh, to talk to you. Thanks, Wendy. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. Hi there, just Gary Turner again, wrapping up this really engaging and interesting discussion with Wendy Daly this evening. A few of my main takeaways include, one, the focus on trust, being critical in order for people to be vulnerable. You know, Wendy was so clear on that. And this really made me think about a blog that I actually wrote this morning, funny enough, which I'll add, add to the podcast notes about trust. Um, in terms of some of the other big um, takeaways, I really love that Wendy is teaching her daughters to be who they are and don't conform. Um, and I just think that's so, so important and comes back to this very much a movement about around rebellion, particularly in the workplace. You know, don't conform to the old command and control ways of working. We need to rehumanise the workplace, and I love that um, Wendy's really introducing that that mindset to her to her children early on. What was also really interesting for me was the agreement and understanding between Wendy and I around this the gap closing between celebrity and everybody else in the world, and this is heavily enabled by tech. So, for example, you know, if you, if you look at people such as sort of Steve Brown, you even look at people such as David Marquet, who's been on this podcast in the past, you know the accessibility of people and actually again rehumanizing each of us you know we are all equal as much as uh, you know society may tell us otherwise but you know money doesn't define who we are you know our humanity defines who we are and i think you know technology is certainly enabling all of us to communicate as human beings on a one to one basis and less and less uh, as celebrities going forward which is really nice um, I thought it was also interesting hearing Wendy talk about email is becoming white noise. That really resonated with me. You know, if I actually think about the amount of email, so I have some of my hotmail 
um, emails come in and out, but my work email really is noise <laughs> on the whole, to be honest. Um, it tends to be an awful lot of CCs and BCCs to emails that ultimately I don't have to do anything with. So I thought that's a really interesting reflection. Also things that, that I thought was interesting as well around um, when you're talking about that we trust people during the recruitment process. However, when they start, we stop trusting them. We just land them with a load of HR documentation, policies and, and rules and procedures. And I really like that statement that she made around we need to trust ourselves that we're making the right decision when hiring. You know, why do we start fearing or start going back to the book once someone actually enters the organisation? And I think there's something certainly there around employee experience and around the onboarding process to be thinking about. And I think I just have to mention it again because I just found it really inspirational with Wendy. You know, one of her big focuses around in, in inspiring women in, into leadership roles. Um, and she also used this example from one of her colleagues who said they made an effort specifically at SHRM 18 this year um, not to listen to any as, to any white males where they could um, within particular workshops or talks just to try and see how the diversity and difference in, in language and uh, messaging came across. So again, I, I think there's definitely this movement around, you know, trying to equalise rightly um, women in, in leadership roles, etc. But I think it's important here, and as, as a white male sitting on, on, on this particular podcast, I don't see any of this as a threat whatsoever. I think it's all positive. I think it's absolutely the right thing to be doing. We do need to, be, to see genuine parity and equality for men and women in the workplace. And I think anybody that says otherwise is just trying to protect their own um, ego and their own fiefdoms, to be honest. So I'm totally behind Wendy 100% with everything that she's trying to do. And I think she's going to do an absolutely fantastic job with this uh, talk on the 18th of, uh, of September. And yeah, just a final thing to wrap up. Remember what her number one suggestion was um, for anybody going into the social media world is don't be afraid of it. Engage with it. Um, manage it effectively, but I'd also add into it, ensure you've also got a challenger network as well. Don't become an echo chamber. Make sure there's also people in there that you wouldn't necessarily want to speak to on a day-to-day -day basis, but at least challenge your thinking and keep your uh, keep your chamber diverse. So thanks for listening. Please do feedback to uh, Wendy and or myself, and I hope that you find this podcast interesting, and please join us on the next one. Thank you.